0: I'm Nick Nash, longtime friend of Pinnacles, longtime musician. I've been making music for about eight years, uh, producer and songwriter. Recently got into songwriting, and I'm working on a lot of cool projects right now, including one with this guy, Kadoku.
1: Um, my name is Kadoku. I've been making music for about uh, six years. Also, um, I've been working with Nick for about five, four or five years. Um. Yeah. Bet. Bet.
2: Um. Yeah, man. I mean, there's so much I want to say, but first of all, is Kadoko Are you from Raleigh as well?
1: Yes, I am. Um, I'm actually from
0: Cary, right next to Raleigh. Same. Well, that's also where I'm from. I just tell people, oh, Rally, okay, okay, okay bet. LA or Canada knows where. Mm-hmm. From. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Um.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, for me, like I always tell Nick this, but all like so many people that I know. Um, like a lot of talented dudes, even outside of music, just dudes I know in business and all kinds of other areas that are successful. They seem to be from right around that area. I don't know why it's it's so weird to me, but it's like I want to just visit just for that reason. Um, Yeah, man. And let, let me just start off. So you said you were making music for about a year or two before you met or before you started working with Nick. Um, how did you guys Blink, how did you guys come across each other and tell me kind of uh, how that worked and and what happened from there?
1: Um, Uh, So I first started making music with my brother. My brother was, uh, he just started making beats and I was like, fuck it, I'll rap on him. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was, you know, we were just making music for fun. And then uh, after about a year, I was like, you know, I kind of want to build a career off of this but I wasn't too sure about it. But, um, yeah, I was just trying to work with different producers and, uh, one of my boys, cash, uh, cash introduces me to Nick and, uh, me and cash both go over to Nick's house. And yeah, that was the first time we ever met the vibes were immaculate. You know, I was just Mm. super excited to be there. And, and then one of my boys, Abel Marshall pulled up and, uh, we made a song together, and that was the first song we ever made. It was a it was a shit song, but um, <laughs> you know, just happy to be there for. But but, yeah, that's how we ended up.
2: And when it. you say, so, sorry, yeah. So when you say cash, is it Cash Paradox that we're talking about right now? Yes, that is Cash dope, Paradox. Dope. Um. That's awesome, man. And I didn't know you guys, you and Macho, had a song, uh, together. I
1: assume it's not out no, right now think. or yeah. Oh, it, did okay. come, it did come out, but it got deleted because, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just now nah, we both improved exponentially. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Hmm.
2: And you said, you know, from the get, like the vibes were just immaculate. Um, is that something that You know, I ask a lot of artists and producers too, but is that something that like, for example, let's say the session didn't go as planned. Like, is it something that's crucial for you that when you step in the studio or a session or around people that the energy, if it's good, you're going to stick to it. If it's not there, like, would you give it more of a chance? Do you know what I mean? Or are there ways you can kind of, you know, work with that? Or if the energy's not really there, you're like, all right, I'm out.
1: Um, back then I used to, uh, if the energy wasn't good or the vibes weren't there, I would still go back just because of the fact that uh, you know, I was there for the music. I really just wanted mm-hmm. to make music. But um, at this point, at where I'm at, uh, the vibes and energy is very important in a studio session. If I can't vibe with the producer and we can't get uh, a solid workflow going, um, mm-hmm. I don't think the music can be made. So I usually. Just try to stay away from um, that environment. The first, one of the things that I actually wanted to
2: touch with uh, with Nick on is, tell me, I mean, you don't have to go into details because obviously I don't know anything about the details, but did you, are you permanently moved from LA to North Carolina, Carolina right now?
0: Uh, I mean... I don't want to use the word permanently necessarily, because who knows, I may yeah. ba- may move back when I'm like 45 and married with family and whatnot, <laughs> but like, I would like to spend the rest of my life in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, there's maybe a slight chance that I would consider something like Nashville. I've got a lot of friends over there and I love the music scene right. over there as well. But, you know, for the foreseeable future, definitely Raleigh. Beautiful.
2: And what is it like, what's the reasoning behind that move? Um, again, as much as you yeah. want to go into it.
0: So, um... Originally, when I had moved out to L.A., it was never going to be like a a permanent thing. Like I I was open to the idea of it being a permanent thing. But in all likelihood, I was like, okay, I'm going to move out here for a year or two and then um, just see what I can do with, you know, these in-person studios and see how much it really benefits me and then probably move back when I'm like more comfortable and I can just be like a bedroom producer more or less. Um, mm-hmm. And I can have those connections I can send loops to and things like that. And I already had my community in Raleigh of artists that I was working with like him and, you know, all the other people, you know, Jeb, Marco, all, all of them. Um, yeah. And so my lease had come up and I wasn't right, quite ready to move. So I ended up moving Jeb out here with, out there with me. Um, and then after about six months, he had a reason he had to move home which that's his business uh but um but basically i was kind of faced with the decision i had been in la for about 18 months at that point and i was like okay now i either need to find a roommate that i barely know or like try and convince somebody that i do know to move in with me and like go through a whole lot of stress to like make that work out or pay double rent which would have been like 2900 a month in la i was not going to do that so I, i was just like i think moving home is my best option here i Don't really love this city i didn't hate it either but i do love raleigh so i was like okay i did what i needed to do it's it's time to come back home to north carolina
2: that makes total sense man and with all the skill sets you picked up and everything all the connections let alone all like everything you learned in la i feel like bringing it right back to raleigh is a huge uh benefit to you and everybody that you'd be working with there let's let's start with uh also kadoku side like you you know, you're starting to work with more producers, you're starting to get in more studio sessions and collaborate with people. How much of this was done alone? Because, again, a lot of artists have asked me to have other artists on the podcast. And I feel like, again, you're a very good example of an artist that, you know, you did so many things right and and continue to do so many things right when it comes to marketing, social media, um, your presence, all of it. How much, like... Kind of take me from the beginning, but also, how much time did you spend doing this alone versus you were kind of always collaborating with people? Like,
1: where, where was the balance there? Um, it was about a year or a little over a year where I only stuck to myself with my brother and, uh, I mean, a few of my friends, but, you know, we weren't really... or They weren't really taking music seriously. We were just making songs together type of thing. Um, but with... With other artists, Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Darius King, but um, yeah, Darius was, I think, uh, one of the first artists slash friends that I've worked with making a song together. And um, yeah, it went from that to, uh, I got put on promoting sounds on their channel and then a bunch of artists started hitting me up and that's when I started, you know, actually being able to work with other very talented artists. And um, yeah, I was doing that for a while, maybe two years or something like that. And then, uh, and then when TikTok started going up, um, I was really, really focused on having uh, songs with just me on it just to build my brand solid uh... just me so I stopped collaborating with a lot of people um, other than Darius King uh, and Spazi and I would always make songs with them no matter what they're my boys so um, <clears throat> but yeah uh, even now I rarely collaborate with anybody because I'm still focused on making this this uh my brand very solid
0: yeah i don't think we have any features out with anyone other than darius wow right now
1: Mm -hmm. and okay that's really
2: interesting i have a lot of artists that like kind of they get into this zone of i need to do you know everything myself super early on and you know i always try to tell them like yeah i mean that's there's huge benefits to that but at the same time you also need to be careful like i i see some artists that try to do too much on their own especially right. starting out like not even you know some of them will try to like and again i have nothing against it like making their own beats and stuff but it i see that it kind of slows down the process um sure. when if they had just focused on maybe the artist side first and it's kind of interesting how you said you collat you coll- you were kind of doing it with your brother for a bit with your boys started to collaborate more after promoting sounds and now you're kind of refocused on your brand um specifically talk yeah. to me a little bit about um tick as well you because that's that's where i think i first came across you more of your stuff uh, i don't remember exactly how long ago it was but you were just going in on TikTok. it seemed mm-hmm. you know so talk to me about that how deliberate was it or were you just kind of feeling it out and it just kind of happened as you as you worked through it
1: um, with TikTok, at first, I absolutely hated it. Hated making videos. Uh, didn't want to do any of that cornball, corny stuff. Um, making skits and like stuff like that. I was like, "What the fuck? Hell no!" Because like you know, I had friends back then, and I, you know, I didn't want to look all corny and stuff in front of them. But um, the guy who's my manager at the moment, um, Cam. Uh, before he became my manager, he was telling me like, right, TikTok is the wave you got like, please just try making one video, just one video. So eventually, you know, I came and I was like, right, I'll make a skit. Uh-huh. It just happened to be that that first skit was the Hennessy skit, um, my first big song on TikTok.
0: And he texted me right after he made this song, and it was just like, "I'm going to make this song blow up on TikTok."
1: Yeah, not even
0: question
1: Yeah, I remember putting it up on Snapchat, and I was like, "Yep, this is going straight to TikTok." Like, that was the first song. I was like, "All right,
0: yeah, this is a TikTok song." He posted the same skit, I think, fourth times. Just like no difference, the same exact video, and then the fourth time it just randomly blew up. I remember I was in one of those studio sessions, uh, on like the Sunday sessions for viral, um, and they were making a song or whatever. And I was just on TikTok on my phone, refreshing his page. And I was like, guys, every time I refresh it, there's another thousand views here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yo, that was a crazy moment. And, uh I don't know if anybody knows this other than the people close to me, but, uh, I was supposed to join the military and, uh, I got my physical and all that, all the paperwork done. Um, and then, Three weeks before I was, three or four weeks before I was supposed to leave, uh, TikTok started blowing up. (laughs) And um, I ghosted all my recruit, I ghosted my recruiter, (laughs) uh, ghosted all the military people and just, and I asked my parents for a chance to prove myself, you know, live in a crib and just focus on music. Mm -hmm. And they allowed me to do so. So, you know, I took that risk and kept pushing with it. And that led to exactly where I'm at right now
2: wow okay that's fire all of that is is super super interesting um let's start a little bit with that uh tiktok you so you post you reposted the skit a few times did you delete like kind of take me through that process and also your thought process behind that because I've, I've heard that very recently i think i heard like two days ago someone was talking about how they repost a lot of their content and it blows up you know the third or fourth time that right. that they do it
1: um I spent a lot of time on that skit. So I was like, nope, I'm not going outside <laughs> like this. <laughs> it was getting like 200 views. It's like, nope, can't go out like this. So uh, there wasn't really no thought process behind it other than, uh, I'm gonna keep reposting this until something maybe happens. He doesn't yeah. really have thoughts. Yeah, I don't really think hey, like man. that, <laughs> but yeah just kept taking them down, reposting them, taking them down, reposting it. And eventually on the fourth day, mm-hmm. it hit a million views out of nowhere.
2: And uh, sorry, you did you say you took it down and then posted it again? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I mean, that's crazy.
2: Like, yeah, that I'm not whole... sure
1: uh, how the algorithm works nowadays, but I think mm-hmm. people don't take down their videos. I think they keep them up and still repost it again. Um, yeah, I've I think seen I've, that. I think I've seen that work uh a lot of times pretty recently actually.
2: Very interesting. Wow man. Okay, so this and actually who produced Tennessee? Was it you, Nick? Yeah, well, it was yeah, 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 I figured. Okay. Um, did you guys like was that a beat you had just kind of made and you sent over, or was that created together in the studio?
0: um i made the sample and i sent it over to him and then he he put this tiktok snippet out on just the sample there was no beat and then mm-hmm. we were like shoot we gotta drop this in two weeks like well while mm-hmm. the, well, the hype is still here so then we like got on a bunch of facetime calls and just like tweaked it and k- kind of did the drums together i did like a couple versions at first and like sent him he picked one to work on more yeah That's... there was like
1: 12 mm-hmm. different versions of hennessy before it got dropped
0: wow and
2: so that process of like Nick doing a bunch of different, you know, variations of the drums. Did you guys do that all through like FaceTime or whatever? Like, you yeah, weren't... I was in L.A. He was in Gary, at the time. Mm. Yeah, that's something that I, again, like I, I see more and more people are trying to do these remote, you know, collaborations and make them work kind of the same way that it would be if, as if they were together. So that's really cool that you guys were able to throw that song together um, yeah, when you yeah. weren't actually in the same studio. Talk to me also about striking kind of when the iron's hot. Like, I know it's a cliche, but that really is important in the music space. Um, and I myself have been guilty multiple times of not doing that. Uh, is that something that you've noticed, like, that you've done a lot of? Because it does seem like, especially with this TikTok thing, uh, once a hype, like hype starts to build or, you know, a certain video starts to get a certain amount of views, do you guys capitalize
1: off that right away? Usually? Um- <clears throat> yes, that would be the ideal plan. Um, but it doesn't always go as planned, because, uh, you know, things happen in life, and uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes focus is thrown off. And Mm -hmm. uh, that did happen a few times for me, uh, when the hype was all the way up there, the song drops, and then I just didn't promote it anymore, just because I was feeling some type of way or something like that. But um, yeah, it would it would definitely be the most important thing i'd say to if the hype's there you have no choice but to you know you should have no choice but to um, keep building from that mm-hmm. and i made that mistake and i deeply regret it because if i hadn't made that mistake I'd probably be way further in my career right now yeah but things happen we learn and i won't make that mistake again Absolutely.
2: And, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about the military. Like you were really ready to go. Um, was that something where you were just like, ah, like, you know, this is, you know, this is what I'm doing now. Or was, were you really just like actually about it? And then the music thing came up and you're like, hold up, let me see. Yeah, you know, how much were your parents involved in that and how, how lenient were they with you when you, when you, you know, decided to kind of pivot?
1: Um, so Growing up, I was, I was a pretty bad kid, (laughs) like a terrible kid, but my brother was always like on top of his shit. And my brother ended up joining the military first because he really wanted to, he wanted to stand for this country. (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, being a bad kid comes with not doing good in school, you know, any of that. And I didn't want to do community college, so I was like, dang. The only thing in my mind was military. You know, my brother already went. Why not follow in his footsteps? Hmm. uh, I really, really, really did not want to join. That was like the last thing I wanted to do. But uh, in my mind, it was kind of like I I accepted it. You know, I I got a buzz cut and everything, man. I accepted it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had my head shaved for a few months before so I could get used to the feeling of being bald. Um, oh wow, bro. Yeah, but I, I really didn't want to go. And my parents, yeah, of course, uh, they pushed me to join the military. But uh, as soon as I asked them for a chance with the music thing, they were pretty understanding and um, which was surprising because you know, with Asian families, it's always about uh, the safe choice. Like you do this, you do this, you make your money. And that's how you're going to live. But, uh, surprisingly, my parents were understanding and I really uh, I was very appreciative of that. And So, yeah,
2: that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Like even even getting that, you know, bit of leniency from the parents. Oh, it is really cool when uh, parents are able to kind of step away from like th- what they're used to and just like give right. that chance. Let me pivot to Nick a little bit, too. Like, Nick, I'm kind of curious to see um it feels like moving back to Raleigh is almost like a new start or like a new chapter, right? Like the next chapter of your career. At least it feels to me like a, a fresh thing for you um, in a way. What, w- is there any kind of outlook you you have on this now? Like, are you here with a kind of a fresher perspective?
0: Um. Uh, yeah, and- I mean, it's definitely a fresh start. I I was like kind of in that LA rat race which was good. Like I'm 22. I'm not supposed to be comfortable in my life yet, but like after, you know, working really hard and being uh, in the shit for so, so long, I say so long, it was only a year and a half. I was in LA, but I was grinding and like, you know, sending loops and trying to do what I could before that too. Now, You know, obviously, I'm still working super hard every day, but the focus is more on making myself a better musician, not trying to get my name out there or being a good businessman, etc. Like I'm learning piano now. I'm learning guitar now. I'm just taking my really taking my time with samples, learning how can I make the things that the people I admire make and how can I be intentional about it instead of just clicking randomly in a software, no shade to people who do that. That's like, you know, it gets the job done the same. But for me, you know, I really, for my life want to be able to intentionally create music that I hear in my head. So I'm really just focused on that. And that's the so-called chapter that I guess you speak of
2: a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, that's awesome, man. That's, that's something that, you know, being deliberate is something that I've been thinking a lot about just in general, like, um, of course like being I mean there's if you're trying to be too deliberate it can kind of mess you up in certain certain areas because you kind of expect certain things or whatever but you know having kind of more being able to have more intention behind your either creative decisions or whatever once you have the skill set to do that that's definitely a huge huge level up um talk to me a little bit about these studio sessions like when you're all and Again, I know you all have worked with other producers and artists, but when you guys are together, um, how much are you kind of like learning from each other if that makes sense? Because I know some artists and producers keep it super separate, whereas others are kind of like you know the artist might be learning kind of bits and pieces of, of on how to make these uh, make certain beats and the producer might be picking up you know certain songwriting things or or you know that type of process.
0: Um, I think after working together for not even that long, but just maybe after a couple of sessions, uh, especially working on the album we're working on right now, where we're kind of telling a story about his life and his last relationship. And we're kind of sharing experiences with with each other and, and kind Mm. of molding together a combination of our stories to create what is the final story um, or the final story of the album we're learning you know about each other's life and about you know our principles and how we go about our relationships how we go about coping with things and all that so we're definitely learning about each other on a personal level through that um songwriting i think Eric had a very specific songwriting style before we sat down. It, it, usually every song we write is me, him, and then my homie Jeb. Obviously, Pinnacle, you've met Jeb. Yeah, yeah. Love that guy. Um, Love Jeb, bro. Shout out we, to Jeb. <laughs> he, you, met, you met Jeb before Eric even met Jeb, actually. But, oh, okay. Uh, word. Yeah, he met him, I guess, two, three months ago, uh, se- September. So a little over three months ago when we, when we did this first trip out here to Wilmington to work on the album. And we all work super well together. And so after after a couple of those sessions, instead of that very toxic style and like in-your-face style that Kidoku would write with, you know, traditionally for his singles beforehand, we're attacking these songs now and hopefully for the foreseeable future from a perspective of all right, how do we make this a good song and tell a story in a way that it's never been told before. Uh and we usually start I think I may have mentioned this to you before maybe even when you came to visit in LA that me and Jeb have that writing style of where we t- try to come up with the concept of the song first and the punchline of the song and work up to that. So I think I I've definitely influenced him in that sense but he can speak uh on you know how he feels about that as well.
1: Um so when I first started working, or not first started, uh, oh yeah, first started working on this album with Nick and Jeb, uh, like he said, my whole songwriting style was very uh, toxic because that was that was what was popping off on TikTok. And uh, it worked, so I decided to stick with that. But when we first started working on this album, it wasn't just, you know, obviously toxicity. There was some, there is some um, toxicity in this album because it's a whole storyline. But uh, when it came to the love songs and and the learning and the learning phase and all that, I was left fucking speechless. I didn't know what to say because, like, I've been writing just toxic things for like a minute. Um, But, yeah, working with Nick and Jeb, it's insane when you just sit in a studio session. Like when I'm just sitting here and they're writing lyrics together and thinking of concepts, Nick would just throw something out there and then Jeb would just immediately take that and
0: I don't know. It usually goes the other way around because we have this inside joke that Jeb said the other time where he'll just throw shit like he just said out there and and I'll take it and turn it into the final line that it becomes. Yeah, yeah. and and so what we'll say is Jeb will be like, yeah, I just throw shit at the wall nick's the wall <laughs> <laughs> and so now every time i do that like he'll throw a line out and i turn it into whatever the final line is i'll just sit here and scream "Wall!"
1: <laughs> yeah right. um, but, it was, it's it's beautiful seeing nick and jib right together uh in the same room um uh-huh. i definitely uh you know pay attention to the thought process and all that. And when I go back home and I'm writing on my own, I try to imitate that, but it's very, very difficult to do that. But uh, yeah, I'm still learning, still learning uh, how to write in different styles, how to put more image, put more feeling into into a single line.
0: And he's also the youngest and has been making music for the least time out of all of us. So obviously you're gonna have growing to do. Mm-hmm.
2: Makes sense. Wow, that's, that's wild. Um, I, I really appreciate that you're kind of touching on this side of things, and especially talking about all the things you're learning. Uh, because for me, at least, again, on the outside, like I haven't spoken to you yet, or, or even seen any of the behind the scenes or the process. But from the outside looking in, you know, I saw all those TikToks, and I saw all the music you were promoting, and the, the way that people and all these girls were reacting to it. And your music comes off as very, very confident. So now not saying learning is is you know it's not about confidence but it is interesting to kind of see that you're you're still very much focused on growing um and even like again like kind of a maybe not a pivot but you're 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 kind of leveling up you're at that next stage where you're you're trying to do something better um that makes more sense to you in your career so When it came to your writing process um, beforehand, was it a lot of freestyling, like with the initial, you know, if we're talking about, let's say that toxic era, like was it was it uh, more freestyles and you were just pulling from that? Or was it still you were writing a lot or how did those uh, songs come about?
1: Uh, It definitely wasn't freestyles when when the toxic lyrics uh, around that time, uh, when that came up, I would literally just sit in my room close my eyes and think of the most toxic scenario <laughs> that I could possibly think of yeah. and, and basically like create a movie in my head and just ride along that. And, uh, and then when I would write these lyrics and then, you know, write these lyrics, make it into a song as the song is going, I'd be able to see exactly what was playing in my head while I was, uh, even thinking of this idea so it was like yeah yeah. it was never no freestyle it was always Uh, uh, very deeply thought out toxicity
2: very interesting and were you pulling from like still pulling from parts of your life or was it quite a lot of it was like just this you know created um scenario in your head like how much were you pulling from your own kind of experiences and all that
1: um (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm a toxic human being or a toxic person to a woman, uh, mm. but uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people have, you know, just random toxic thoughts, right? And right. I think I really took those thoughts and uh, magnified them, made them much bigger than it really was. So, yeah, I guess I did take some of it from my personal life but it was not that intense. I just kind of uh, over-exaggerated it in, in the song.
2: For sure, that makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. That like, that is a very, um, seems like a very effective way to go about creating art. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, all right. Talk to me now yeah. about this. Uh, you know, you t- you guys touched on it a little bit, but I really, I'm super interested in this upcoming project, your newer singles and everything that's kind of went behind it, it seems like there's a lot more going on you know in terms of the work behind it and all the things that you guys are doing like i'm i'm excited and i don't even know the half of it so kind of fill me in a little bit on that
0: you want to go ahead sure um so eric texted me that he wanted to make a project after some of these singles have done well and I remembered that there was this guy, Parker Harris in Raleigh, who had texted me and wanted to do some film work for me. He was just trying to get his name out there and whatnot. He even offered to come to L.A. if he was ever in the area and shoot some stuff for me out there. Um, And he could never make it out there. But um, when I moved back and I knew Eric was going to work on this album with me, I was like, okay, we have to do all these sessions in person. And I'm going to text this Parker guy, And I'm going to see if he can document it so we can make a couple vlogs out of it. And that turned into us deciding to document the entire process and make a documentary on this album. Um, So we decided to make a 12 song album split up into four songs each. The first four songs are essentially the story of when he first met his girl. And all, all these sections are exaggerated versions of it right because if it was just right. a normal relationship it'd be pretty boring but we yeah. draw from the emotions and we exaggerate it like he said and so the, the first four songs are the story of when he first meets his girl when he's falling in love with his girl all the good stuff the honeymoon stage then the next four songs track five to nine i guess um no five, five to eight yeah um are when it gets toxic and the the relationship starts with turmoil and whatnot and that's really where we're all you know drawing from past experiences and exaggerating those and and just talking about the bad parts of a relationship and then that final tracks nine to twelve uh four tracks of the album are basically okay now this relationship is over it was what it was this is what we learned from it this is what we're going to do in the future um and yeah hopefully we're going to be able to put together a really cool documentary uh filmed by this this awesome camera crew interval pretty soon here we are we have eight out of 12 songs done so far so we need to fill in some blanks here um we have a pretty good idea i think of the singles we're gonna drop hopefully gonna drop a single next month uh but you know who knows what the next four songs we're gonna make are they could be better than the songs we've already got and one of those becomes a single so we'll see
2: that's super dope i in general i just love like coherent you know cohesive rather albums and just hearing that you guys have like thought through it that much i'm really excited to hear uh hear the final product all together um yeah yeah, man uh what do you guys do when you
0: hit a creative block in the studio if you do i mean
2: What'd you say? Call Jeb. Call Jeb? <laughs> like, literally?
0: That, that's the answer. We call Jeb and it seems to work itself out. <laughs>
2: that's incredible.
0: It, the the elaborated version of that answer is if if one of us isn't feeling it or two of us isn't feeling it, there's no chance that all three of us aren't. And one of us is going to be able to jumpstart it. Right.
2: Yo, I fuck with that heavy, actually. For real. That is really interesting. Like that, maybe in the yeah, yeah. future,
0: all three of us could be in a creative rut and it doesn't work. But we, hit, you know, it's been several months, and with Jeb, I've known him for over a year now. It hasn't been the case to where we've just impossibly <laughs> not been able to create anything good at all. Yo, that is, that's enough said. I mean, I'm,
2: I'm definitely, yeah because I've been like I've had a few moments recently for a number of reasons but um usually I I, like there's a few artists in my city that I've been working with and developing and um but what recently it's it's happened that we've hit a few creative blocks and you know it it hasn't like panned out that way so it is really interesting um even to just get a third person involved because usually it is just the two of us that is interesting but Jeb alone I mean bro Jeb is so talented. So that's, that's mm, in and right. of itself.
0: I mean, hey, we can't be monogamous out here, bro. It's 20, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah,
2: I can't judge, bro. I don't judge. <laughs> uh, talk to me about this camera crew and in general, just like making connections in and around your city, because up here, like we have Toronto, we have Vancouver, but really it's Toronto that understands how to collaborate and get the music scene going within a city. There's many cities here, especially the one I'm in, that there's a ton of talent, but people aren't like connected with each other like that or as connected. They're all in their little groups and like people aren't as keen on working with each other. It's all very. And even though you can be like you can have your own you know aspirations, that's obviously very important. But they don't see as much of the value of collaboration as it seems that other cities have started to. Um, is that something you like notice in your city? Have, have you always had a big you know collaborative spirit within your within your city or is that something that's been something that's recent?
0: Yeah, one of the reasons I love Raleigh so much is because we've been such a supportive city as far as the music scene goes. For the most part, if you have talent, you're going to get appreciated by the other artists and producers in this city and they're gonna reach out. Uh, that being said though, maybe it's because he was young in his music career or not as developed yet or whatever it is i do feel like he was overlooked by the city uh and i was one of the only people that didn't overlook him at first and that's why we are here today like he could have easily gotten not overlooked by other producers and whatnot and been working with them but I, i feel like i i just i don't know i i thought he was good enough to keep working with so i just continued to work with him until it really came together Mm -hmm. but yeah Raleigh in general is a very supportive city and you know obviously now he gets all the love in the world
2: and you know Kodoku from your side again I, I know we've touched a little bit already on you you know doing things yourself initially and then collaborating and kind of navigating that but when it comes to the other side of things Uh, like marketing and, you know, the skits, you said, you know, your manager or he wasn't your manager at the time, but he'd been kind of pushing you to do something on TikTok. Uh, How much has collaborating with other people that kind of aren't directly involved in the music necessarily, um, you know, how has that been? Is that something you're still looking to do? Uh, You know, again, with the camera crew and all this, like, and again, maybe you are hiring, like, that's obviously paying people, but... uh, you know, is that something that you've kind of increased over time or is that something like you had dudes like ready to, you know, help you with the social media already because you were homies, you had people the management side. How does that work? And
1: yeah. When I first started out with the whole TikTok thing, I, uh, it was just me making videos, you know, in my, in my room. And it was basically just that. And it worked because, uh, The algorithm was loving me for some reason. But uh, then I wanted to take it to another level. Um, So, uh, you know, my boy Peyton, uh, he's very good with the marketing stuff. So I let him handle a lot of that uh, over the time. And, um, yeah, as far as marketing, it's basically just Peyton. Um, he's definitely helped out a lot with ideas, coming up with TikTok ideas, video ideas, uh, content in general, ideas. Uh, Peyton's a very... Uh, he can think. Like, yeah.
0: Thanks for the both of you.
1: Yeah. He literally <laughs> has ideas 24-7. And uh, he's able to push something out no matter what. Um, but yeah, that's about it for the marketing. Uh, with like content and all that Uh, until recently I'm talking about like uh, little like cinematic shoots or whatever, like the things that people are seeing on my Instagram now Uh, up until recently, I was never on any of that. I was just uploading simple pictures or like uh, simple videos that I got made from you know, whoever I paid to uh, make me a visualizer or whatever. But up until recently, I started working with uh, Leo and the whole Interval crew. Um, they, anytime I ask for something, they always manage to make it happen. And quickly too. Get quick as hell,
0: bro. Like, I'll be like, yo, Leo, can we make a video? He'll be there that night. Finish the whole It's video, like he gets man, a right. boost of dopamine when Eric asks him that. Like, I've seen him be on the couch before, and like me and Eric are recording a song. And he's like, Yo, can we make like a video to preview this? And Leo just jumps up. And he's like, Yup, on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The fact that he's
1: that talented. I mean, the whole interval crew. The fact that they're that talented and they're so like motivated to do this all the time. It shit blows my mind, man. Like, yeah, it's we got
0: Jackson downstairs too. You didn't get to meet him. Leo, Jackson, Parker, and V. That's the, the big four right there. Yep. Dope. And yeah, man. Good. I mean, they seem like dope dope dudes,
2: you know, with the, the few that I met there. Um, But that speed thing, that speed thing is huge in general, like in the music industry, especially like, you know, how quickly things are changing now, especially like speed is getting even more important. And people kind of get like on me about that. If, you know, I've, I've kind of mentioned a few times, like when I talk about speed or you know people kind of take me the wrong way um because they they immediately go into this place of like oh you know it's art it's supposed to be creative you got to take your time and it's like i get that side but at the same time like you know speed is very important if you can do it faster why wouldn't you um so it's really yeah yeah and it's really it's i find that it's even harder like for example i'll be doing something quick you know, but maybe my homies or the people I'm working with aren't on the same page as me. So to have a crew like that that's actually that motivated and ready to go is crazy.
1: Right. Uh I do feel like team the team you surround yourself with, uh is probably one of the most important things when it comes to music. Music in general. Like we got the media crew, we got the production people got the songwriters and everybody's. Just, if everybody's just down to work all at once, we're all going to move 20 times faster than than somebody who, you know, has to look for um, a crew or like something like that. But yeah, I'm just blessed for her, just blessed to, to be around these people.
2: Absolutely. And this question is for both of you is something I've been thinking about more. I, I always, I always ask this question of like, what's a trait that someone can have? Or like, what's something that someone can do that makes you kind of not want to work with them? Um, but kind of to expand on that, like, how selective are you uh, again like when it comes to the people you surround yourself with i know for me i'm still figuring this out but usually i've been in the past at least like kind of cutthroat like very just if i notice something that kind of throws me off i'm like you're out because you know i'm why would i waste my time but over time that's kind of changed and I've, i've started to be you know see the other sides of things um how does that work for you is that something that you have thought about or have had to deal with where you're like you know someone's it doesn't even have to be someone you're professionally working with but like the energy is important your friends and whatever um are you selective with who you keep around you in that sense or are you kind of more like i don't want to say lenient but maybe that is the right word like how how selective are you with the people that you have around you whether it's professional or not
1: um at this point in my life i'm very very selective on who i hang around uh you know, I always used like always used to just throw that saying around. Um, you are who you hang around, you know. But as I grew older, definitely saw that. Like just thinking, thinking back to the past, uh, that was definitely the case, and it still is the case today. If I'm, if Nick was uh, every time we got in the studio, if Nick was like, oh, I'm tired, like I'm not trying to do this right now, that would. You know that would throw me off. <laughs> I'd be like, "What the fuck?" But it's Nick. He's the homie. You know, mm. still be around and whatever. But like, mm. luckily, he's not. Nick is always
0: ready to go. Always mm-hmm. trying to make Nashville a song idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was falling asleep recording his ass in Nashville. No way. The- yeah, because I was like, w- we were in country sessions with Jeb and doing all that. Uh, like for the that was the reason we were there. And they were like, "All right, let's bring Eric along so that we can." in our downtime work on his album because we're trying to get that done so it was just probably like i mean people say they go through 18 hour work days i don't believe most people do that in the music industry but that was like maybe the one time in my life where i was <laughs> really like up for 18 hours like making music for all of it um but yeah i definitely agree with him like i'm pretty selective with the with the people that i keep around um just because i find myself getting pretty irritable like if it's I, I've, I'm I've, uh, guilty of being too much like this in the past. I think I judge people a lot. And like, if people aren't like exactly like me, I used to just be like, I don't even want you around. Me. Yeah. Then.
2: Yeah. I'm, turning, <laughs> I've,
0: I'm been less like that lately, but I am pretty selective. Like I, like I want people to, you know, have certain morals that I hang around and, you know, know what to do in certain situations. And, and you know, we treat each other right and treat each other with respect, etc. So, yeah. Uh, and you also, you asked um, what's something that like, uh, would make me not want to work with somebody the biggest thing for me is if you don't listen or like aren't willing to listen because like it's way too many people with the ego in music especially right. that just i'll suggest a, a line or like make a change to a beat or something and they're like oh no mine was better trust me bro it's this way is yeah. the best i'm tired of that <laughs> facts yeah um and outside of music
1: i'd say like um you know, I saw the difference between me hanging out with bums and me hanging mm-hmm. out with people who want their bread, who want something for their lives, and uh, yeah, hanging out with bums definitely made me a bum. I was a bum back then, <laughs> uh, but now, uh, outside of music, my closest friends are friends who are willing to do anything to to become successful in um, in any way. Right and uh, and yeah, some of my friends are still figuring their stuff out, and they go, you know, hit bumps on the road. But uh, it's understandable because you know I can see that they're you know they want they want to mm. do something they want to make a change. Right, but uh, yeah, end of the day, very selective on who I hang around. Uh, I can't be around people who who don't have goals. Right, like. Yeah. Can't hang around people who don't. When
2: we talk about um, like working, especially with that 18 hour, you know, day, those long, um, those long sessions that, you know, people sometimes just go crazy for, like they're trying to get in the studio, like pull all nighters and shit. Um, That kind of brings me to this point of I hear I mean, everyone has their own definition of what like how much work they're trying to get done, what work ethic looks like, what grinding looks like um, for you guys, you know, Nick, I know a little bit about your process. Cause I, I like, I was in LA with you and I kind of saw it, but um, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I like your input too, but in terms of how much you're working versus like how much you're trying to relax, like w- what does that look like to you? Or at least how do you view it? Like what thoughts do you have on that at this point? Um,
1: When I'm alone, like at home, just trying to make some music or whatever, uh, if I'm starting to make a song and it's just not really working throughout like the middle of it or whatever, I would usually just stop or whatever. Like just completely stop, take a break. But then that break ends up being the whole day. I never get back. That's why I have so many unfinished songs. But Mm. uh, anytime I'm with Nick, all I wanna do is the whole time, all I wanna do is just create, create, create. Because I just love the way him and Jeff, you know, how they how they mm-hmm. make songs. And so I, I wanna be able to do that for however long I'm with them. Um but yeah, once Nick moves to uh moves back to Raleigh, we are lit, boy, we are lit. Cause I'm gonna be in that crib every day. Just Let's go. Songs after songs after songs. And, you know, I won't have as many unfinished songs.
2: <laughs> I believe it, bro. I believe it. Um, and Nick, for you, like, the process, you know, and I see that you're kind of, again, you're at that new, you know, a new phase in your career. Um, so, again, I don't want to make it sound too serious, but this is it, it does seem like you are more focused kind of more on the craft and like really getting, you know, dialing in those, I don't want to say fundamentals, but really just getting those like details and those skills down. Um, and it seems to me that that might require like more patience from your end, or is it not that? Are you, uh, is it still a very regimented, disciplined work routine that you have?
0: I mean, I'm a man of routine and discipline. So I'm, you know, the way I go about everything is, is disciplined for sure. But I was going to say it's, it's a mental thing of just taking the pressure off of yourself for me mm. um you know i sit down to make a loop in the morning i'm like i got all day when i you know think about learning an instrument i'm i got the rest of my life like there's people that have been playing for 10 years and are incredible and i have another <laughs> 70 years to live if I, it takes me 10 years to learn guitar then i have 60 years of playing incredible guitar
2: right
0: so mm. it's just a matter of perspective and, and taking the pressure off yourself i don't have to create a million melodies i'm happy making one loop every other day as long as that loop is incredible so as long as i'm taking my time i know i'll get there
2: i like that tell me about these uh not Na- like tell me about nashville you said jeb was there for some country sessions like what, what was this about
0: yeah so uh i think i told you jeb is as an artist full-on country now we're going like country pop to country or like classic country or whatever. We're working on his his EP, and we're hopefully gonna have interval shoot some content for that as well. That no. one's got a cool story as well. It's basically me and him. I might even get primary artist credit on it. I don't know. We're still kind of deciding because that one is basically a collection of experiences we went through together. Of like we each moved to LA in the same house. We went through like so much together. Not even just like went through like trauma or nothing. We just experienced yeah. life together in North Carolina, then moving to LA. Then, you know, kind of feeling homesick, dealing with issues that, that may come up there, and then moving home. So it's mm-hmm. a five, small five-song EP about moving to, to L.A. or moving... Uh, we do name L.A. in, in the tape a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then missing home, and then coming home. And it tells that story. Uh, and, and it's a combination of our shared experiences. Obviously, he's the vocalist on all of it, so I'm, I'm not on there singing or nothing. but But, yeah, it's basically... The story of both of our experiences in that sense. So, he had a potential manager that wanted to get him into some songwriting sessions for some country artists out there. Um, so, we went out there to go do those. And I also had a couple friends, like I said, Jackson Free or Brody and Christian Clementi from CB30. So, I also did some sessions with them and brought him along. And then we were just like, let's bring Eric along too, so that when we're not in sessions that have already been set up for us, we can continue to work on this album. Because we were just, we made right. three songs for the first time Jeb and Eric ever met, and those three songs are just, in my opinion, some of the best songs on the album. Like they're incredible. So we're on a roll. Let's mm. keep it going. Um, and so we were just working nonstop out there.
2: Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. This pivot to to the country country you know uh side of things is really interesting because i i think like short i don't want to say shortly before that but shortly enough before that he's like yo we got like we me and jeb whatever like we'd had some songs like i'd made i'd contributed some things for that jeb stuff. song
0: that y'all made in my opinion is his best non-country song ever ucla Girls. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. song is so good i wish right. like,
1: girls is far.
0: like i almost no, want to re-record it as like a country dance hall type of vibe i don't know i just love it maybe we rewrite it or rework it i love that song so much <laughs> yeah man me too
2: there's like multiple like Things that we that we had made at that time or like had a hand in that that definitely you know some of my favorite things that i've worked on even though it wasn't we didn't it's not like we went crazy like spending all these hours like it was it came out pretty pretty quickly but it was it was fun um yeah man if y'all get any sort of spin on that if you could get that out in any way that would be sick but either way i mean i'm just glad uh you know i'm glad that it was done in the first place
0: yeah, yeah so country guy talking about college girls in california it's not the craziest <laughs> thing in the world yeah man we'll see uh yeah see <laughs> um, well, ucla girl you might change your mind <laughs> <laughs>
2: i think you got it right there actually to be honest i'm not a country writer by any means but that sounds about right to me um And he, I was thinking this too, but he might really be the first country artist that I like consistently listen to. So I am, I am very much looking forward to it. Oh yeah. Um, All right, man. Kadoku, I want to talk a little bit, maybe you don't have to touch too deeply on this, but you did talk about like, um, you know, if you, you, you are who you surround yourself with. So these kind of, I don't want to say low points in your life, but like this, this idea that you were on a different path, you know, initially... And then you kind of changed up. Was that mainly due to the people you had around you being like your parents or your brother? Like, is that those kind of positive influences that kind of drove you away from that type of life? Or do you think that you just kind of had to experience all that in general and you were going to get
1: here anyways, one way or another? I mean, the whole switch up between terrible kid to somewhat decent kid was uh, mainly my brother, my older brother. Um, before he left to the military, he was always on my ass talking about some Eric, you gotta change the way you live. Like, what are you doing right now? You're being a bum. And I would always just cuss him out, tell him you don't know what he's talking about, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, till eventually this one summer, uh, the summer before he left, uh, he he invites me to hang out with him and his boy. And we were fishing, you know, all, every single day of the summer. And uh just hanging out with them, it was really humbling because back then I was such an aggressive kid, uh, always trying to fight, always trying to say something, um, right. trying to be the tough guy. Uh, but hanging out with my older brother and his boy Zach, uh, it was very humbling because they didn't they didn't care if I wanted to be tough or what. They're still gonna treat me like, you <laughs> know, what they see me as, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was definitely the switch up and then also right when my brother left to the military uh one of the last things he said was uh uh, now you're the man of the house you know my dad was obviously still living with us but right um he's like you're the man of the house uh take care of your sisters take care of your mom all that and that really just him saying that really flipped the switch in my mind where i was like all right gotta Mm -hmm. get my shit together um around this time was when i was introduced to the fact that i was going to join the military so, all right, I'm gonna get my shit together, uh, get my body right, get my grades right, get my money right. Um, you know, that's when I shaved my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the whole purpose behind me shaving my head was uh, because my hair was my prized possession. Ah, I see. So if I were to shave my head, I would have no choice but to to upgrade in every other way than just my appearance,
2: right? Uh, my face
1: my, this appearance right here so i had to work on my body you know mm. get everything up and it and it worked and it worked pretty damn quick because i That's was just amazing. so so motivated to do that um but yeah that whole switch up was mainly uh i'd say my brother very
2: interesting man and how old were you at that time like around that time that 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 switch happened or started
1: uh, i think i was around uh 17 years old and how
2: old are you now I'm nineteen. Very cool. All right. Um, performances. I see, like you've had some pictures up that it you know of performances, but I don't want to assume too much. Like, w- how did that first performance come about? Is that something that you were really looking forward to, or
1: tell me your experience with performances in general? Um, when it comes to performing, um, you know, a lot of the times I have people reach out to me uh, to perform at their event and I love doing that because you know, it's in my hometown. I can get all my people out there and uh, yeah, it's just performing is probably my favorite thing about being an artist. Um, uh, My last performance I'd say was my best. It was definitely the energy was there. That was the first time I played with a full live band and uh, we rocked that shit out. fire! But yeah, performing, Performing with a DJ and performing with a band is definitely two different experiences. Uh, definitely like performing with a band better. It just brings that live raw feeling out. You know. I love that. Uh, That's really dope. But yeah, uh, when I perform though, it's never about my songs. I never focus on my songs. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to, yeah, you know, perform my songs, but uh, it's all about the crowd like my performances are 100% about the crowd. And I just want everybody in that crowd to, uh, to be able to leave and say that, you know, Kadoku's performance was probably one of the most fun performances ever. And uh, yeah, all about I'm all about crowd interaction. Uh, one of the first times I ever performed uh, I performed at this thing called Peak City,
0: mm-hmm. and um, that was one of the first times you ever performed. I was there for that,
1: yeah, yeah. and um I remember I performed like you know, I was re-watching the videos of me performing. And I was so stiff and all that.
0: Uh,
1: but, uh, I took this video of Abel Macho rehearsing, like it's like a seven second video and he oh. hits this he, he hits this like, this little dance. I'm like, no, this guy's smooth with it. What? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was, he was like, he would like dance around on stage and all that. And the crowd was really fucking with him. And, uh, ever since that, I would always like, uh, that's when I realized like, yo, this is all about the crowd. Like I'm going to figure out some way to make the crowd have as much fun as possible. And that's what I do. Uh, That's what I do now. (laughs) I perform again at NC State on the 31st. Dope. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the crowd's going to be like there or what type of vibe it's going to be. But, yeah, I'm going to just rock out with my band, to be honest. But, yeah, I'd definitely love to throw uh, just a Kadoku, just me, myself, just a Kadoku show uh, pretty soon because that would be sick as fuck.
2: That would be. Um, the live band that you're talking about is that like? Did you rehearse a lot with those guys, or how how quickly how quick of a turnaround is that when when you guys have to perform together?
1: Um, I pulled this I pulled this band together uh, within like a week, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna rehearse." We re- we ended up rehearsing like three times before our first performance together, oh. and everybody was just stupid talented so it all just kind of worked out and had those
2: guys been working together before it was like you got the
1: individual just individual people yeah (laughs) i see rehearsing was a crazy experience because like just seeing everybody like when they like make eye contact with each other and they they barely even know each other you know, uh-huh. and making eye contact with each other killing each other in and just being able to uh, just come together so smoothly it was a crazy experience
2: wow what advice would you give to an artist like that has started to kind of you know get a little bit of traction like they just really want to perform um what are some steps they can take to make sure that they're you know obviously they you learn by experience um but what are some kind of key things you would you would give to uh, an artist that was trying to get their first couple performances out the way.
1: Um, I'd say that, um, I feel like too many people are focused on too many beginners are focused on, uh, the crowd, uh, like having a big crowd. Mm. And, um, I don't think that's the way to go at all. Uh, you know, like if you're first starting out, uh, just try to look for places where you can perform anywhere, you know, just being in front of even five people and being able to rock out and, you know, move your body and, mm-hmm. and sing a rap or whatever, to do that confidently in front of five people, you know, just mm-hmm. having that one little, one little moment of confidence can lead to uh, having such a crazy stage presence. And then eventually lead to performing in front of bigger crowds or whatever. But yeah, I definitely say as a smaller artist, uh, reach out, reach out to different people or events or whatever, just to perform, maybe even just a song or two, you know, it's always good just getting that, that practice and getting your, like, you know, seeing video after you perform, just being able to fix, you know, certain little things. Mm -hmm. It's all through it's all
2: trial and error Mm -hmm. and uh one thing i definitely want to ask you is what are you because we've talked a bit about your past we've talked a little bit about the start of your career talked a little bit about the next the the album that you have dropping the project that you have dropping what in turn do you have any like future future goals like big vision wise or are you kind of Cause I know some people don't like to think too far. I, I've, I've heard some people recently say that if they think too far ahead, it's like almost unrealistic cause things change, you know, all the time. So, right. you know, but is, is there kind of a bigger vision or something bigger you have in mind for yourself
1: at the moment? Um, the vision is to perform in a sold out arena. Um, that's whenever I think of my music future, that's basically the only image that pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I, if I keep that vision in my head and I keep working towards that, you know, it's going to happen one day and yeah, mm-hmm. shit does happen. You know, life throws shit at you and you don't know what to do, but you know, I've had life throw a lot of bullshit at me, but mm-hmm. it's always the most important thing would be to, you know, take whatever life's thrown at you, but move around it. Still stick with your vision, like stick to your vision. You have to. Mm -hmm. if you want it bad like you have no other choice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: and i want to ask you guys uh again we've touched on the songwriting thing already but i do want to ask like i have so many artists that are trying or they want to get better at songwriting and and the writing in their songs like of course again like with as they do more reps they'll get better but i'm i am curious like is there any specific resources or people that y'all look up to in that regard or is it I, I know you guys work off each other now, um, but if you're, you know, writing a song alone, let's say, or anything along those lines, like, is there any techniques or things that you kind of employ to try and get the ball going, rolling or even as you're, you're almost done, like tweaks you're making? What kind of things are you looking for focusing on uh, in that respect?
0: Well, like I was saying earlier, the, the little technique or whatever that we use coming from starting with the concept uh really makes it easier because the rest of the entire session we're just trying to make everything make sense on paper and work up to to the final point we have an end goal in mind um that uh that became easier when me and jeb started randomly texting each other ideas for concepts throughout the day so now whenever we're in a session pull up our text search the word concept and just rattle off the list and see which one hits uh, as far as people we look up to, speaking for me and Jeb at least, the biggest influence in our writing right now with country, but also not with country, because his, his lyrics are just, in my opinion, so amazing, is Ernest Keith Smith, um, or just Ernest is his artist name. He he did a song with Morgan Wallen not too too long ago called Flower Shops that m- most people that know who he is probably would know him from that. But if we, we dove into his discography, and we just really love all the concepts and the wordplay and, and how he goes about saying stuff, so I try to take... Stuff from him and an artist like him that to make certain certain concepts less generic, maybe. Um, I've never really looked up
1: to anybody when it comes to uh, writing until recently when I was working with Nick and Jeb. Right. I look up to Nick and Jeb when it comes to writing. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Bye. And like, even in your own process, like, uh, again, I know we touched on like, okay, you draw from your um, experiences and you can exaggerate those or kind of dive into them even more and see them out. Um, in terms of like word, like the specific words that you're using, you know, is, are these things you've kind of picked up from songs along the way that you've been listening to? Like, who are your influences when it comes to actual, like, what kind of music do you like, uh, you know, like what kind of artists are you listening to and are they kind of not directly, but indirectly maybe influencing your style? Or is this totally like, you know, when you're writing, it's totally your own, like you're trying to figure out your own way through it?
1: Right. Um. So I'd say that the music I listen to at the moment has is, is pretty different from the music I'm recording. I like to listen to very uh, slow and sad songs. Um, it just... You know, brings me peace. But uh, yeah, with the songs that I'm making,
0: the way I would best go about explaining it is, I'll have like a loop or a beat, whatever we're writing to, and there will be an artist, maybe that's not Kadoku, that it reminds me of. So, like for example, the song we're writing like today, right now, the loop reminded me of like "Chosen" by Blast. So in my head, mm. I'm like, okay, let's write this song as if Blast or Blast songwriters were writing a song for Kodoku.
2: Interesting. And I try to take
0: elements from, from that perspective of it.
2: That's really cool. And and the reason I'm asking you that, Kodoku, is really because, like, especially with those, with those yeah. earlier songs, um, like, the lyrics were so... They were... Like, I hadn't heard a lot of these types of lyrics on TikTok, or even just people being that confident, being like, yeah, this is what's up. Like, you were very just upfront with it. You didn't try and, like... You know, because I see some artists now, like they're almost there, like they're trying to say something, but they're almost shying away from saying it. And, you uh, know, with your stuff, I see kind of the opposite of that.
1: I'd say with that, I think, uh, the like you said, the artists that are like almost there, but not quite hitting the point. Uh, I think it's very important to be as specific as possible. Writing lyrics. Yeah, it's hard to be as specific as possible and turn it into a line, but yeah, with that with that whole toxic stuff that I was doing. Right. Uh I noticed that the people were more uh attracted to the song when I when I was able to like literally say word for word what was going on in the situation. Or like word for word what that girl said or what I said or whatever. Something that
0: we notice, like uh, I think, is a big red flag in like a songwriting session. For example, is in a phrase that's used too much is, is people saying like, "Oh, that's good enough" or "That works." Like we never say uh, that. If someone says that, we're like, no, "No, no, no." It's like I'll throw a line out there and then I'll I'll throw it out there as a disclaimer, like this is not the final line. This is my idea for the line. How can we make this what we all want it to be?
2: Right. Yo, that's huge. Yeah
1: that boy Nick never settles for no mid shit. It has to be on point.
2: That's huge. I, that in itself is a huge gem right there. Cause I, I have been in multiple sessions where that's been the case. And I've also let that happen. Been like, yeah, like, yeah, it's good for now, you know, and then move on. And no, yeah, that's, and then you don't come yeah, back to
0: it. Exactly. Or like, Oh, <laughs> it's, it's just one line in the verse. The listener's not going to think about it that much. Right. Well, okay. Mm. Maybe that's the case, but also like, You're competing with every other artist that says that you want to try and stand out. One way you can stand out is by making sure that, you know, those little nuances and ear candy uh, and and attention to detail is there.
2: When it comes to song arrangement, maybe this is more for Nick, but Kodoku too, like whatever, you know, um, whoever kind of has insight on it. But song arrangement, I feel like is a really, really key thing, uh, especially nowadays is that something like what, how deliberate are you with song arrangement or are you kind of just, do you go with kind of the, you know, I don't want to say generic formulas, but formulas that are kind of, you know, to be tested and true, or do you kind of play around with arrangement and try to make it
1: a little bit different and abstract? Um, I'd say that when I, when I write music alone, like in my bedroom, uh, I definitely try to make it as different as possible. Like, like fucking throw instead of a hook or a verse as the the beginning, throw a pre hook Hmm. as the first thing and, uh, you know, kill it down, go into the first verse and then bring back, bring the, the, the pre hook back, but make it so much more bigger and then make the big hook or whatever. But, um, yeah, I definitely like with that. Uh, and then I come to work with Nick, um, a lot of that definitely has a lot of uh I don't know. With me and Nick work, it's just we just go along with the vibe. I of, see of the song. It's like once we're done writing a verse or whatever we think it's gonna be, um I know we switch things around a lot during the session. Like, no, this is going to be the hook, this going to be the...
0: Yeah, there's definitely no set arrangement when we start. And so we'll typically have a verse done and a hook done. And then when we sit down to actually record the song, we're just going to be like, okay, what, what sounds better first? Like, right. especially we'll look at like the first line of the hook or the first line of the verse and be like, what well, catches the listener's ear more? Because the first thing that they hear is the most important.
2: I like that. Um, now let's i'm just gonna get maybe some quick fire questions if they end up being this way but one of the main things is uh to just talk to me because people get interested in this i get interested in this what kind of equipment y'all use what vsts you've been using recently that you're kind of into whether it's for vocals or whatever um talk to me a little bit about that
0: recently i got a profit rev 2 that i've been using a lot right here and then i also bought an acoustic guitar it's an orangewood oliver m and i love learning that thing and and piecing together loops on it right now um as far as um like vsts and plugins go guitar rig even not for guitar just like on anything to get like a little saturation or like even their um their like retro color plugin within guitar rig is really cool too i've been using that a lot um, using Pro R in weird little ways to get cool vocal effects to make them sound like they're in the back of the room or like cool. they're hollowed out and things like that. I've been doing that. And pretty much any tape saturation plugin that makes a song or a loop sound like it wasn't made in 2023. Yeah. I'm all over that. Eric, I don't know. He doesn't really even mix his own stuff anymore, I don't think. So I'm not sure he. He knows about like much VSTs and whatnot, but I do know. We'll we'll ask him when he comes back. He he got a mic a couple months ago that um that a company sent him for free that he really likes a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely ask him. We we like plug it into my interface and basically when I'm when I'm not recording when I'm playing something back we gotta like turn the phantom power off and so that it's not like picking up the sound into the mic and everything's coming back so every time i turn the phantom power off his mic turns off and when i turn it back on it has to load up and we've never seen a mic do that before so we always tease him for that <laughs> Cuz like i want funny, to press it and then be like all right record but then we're like no no no." his mic has to load bro wait for his <laughs> mic to load
2: that's pretty funny i've, I've never seen that either that's it that's interesting um yeah uh, we were just talking equipment and stuff and like VSTs and all that, you know, got a little specific, but, um, uh, in terms of the equipment you use, like, what'd you start with mic wise? It's just, a, I get interested, people get interested. Uh, but Nick also said you got a new mic recently. So tell me a little bit about that too. Once,
1: Um, I, uh, was mainly first recording with just a Scarlett mic. Um, uh-huh. I got like a whole set with my interface, the mic and the headphones mm-hmm. that my dad bought me. And uh, that's what I kind of first started with. And I recorded with that for for a few years. And then uh, I switched over to the SM7B, uh, which was very nice, you know? Um, but then this, this company, Lewitt, Uh, They sent me one of their newer mics and uh, told me to try it out. And so I tried it out and you can adjust, I don't know, the way you can like adjust the low and high frequencies on that mic is very cool. Mm. Very nice. So yeah, that's what I'm recording with now. Um, I've had the same JBL monitors uh, since I ever first started music. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I still use those. I still use my Scarlett headphones. Yeah. (laughs) I need to upgrade my headphones. Like they're ripping up. Those Mm -hmm. are my first ever, uh, (laughs) recording headphones I've ever had. Um, but yeah, that's
2: what I use. Yeah. All right, man. Well, you, I mean, we touched on a lot of what I, I wanted to, and I feel like we'll bring people value. Um, uh, but is there anything you guys wanted to touch on or get into? Because I, I can totally do that, too.
0: I'm trying to touch on you.
2: Pause. Pause. <laughs> I have to I have to write that time now because this... Uh... All right. <laughs> Fuck <good> God. <laughs> I'm going to just compile all those moments from this podcast, put them into one, and just... That'll
0: be it. That's, that's good content. It is good content <laughs> for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, Um, yeah, man. uh,
1: I wouldn't say there's really anything more to touch on. Uh, But uh, a message to all the artists or producers who are first starting out, or I'll say a message to the artists. Hopefully, Nick says a message to all the producers. (laughs) I bet. Um, Consistency beats everything. Uh, you know, from, from making shit music to the music I'm making now, none of that would have happened if I, if I stopped being consistent, it was it's always, it's all through every single session that I'm in. It's always one little thing that I learned. And if you, you combine all those sessions together, it's like a whole textbook of what I learned, you know? So yeah, consistency will be everything. Uh, even when, you know, numbers are looking low or whatever, don't let that shit fucking, you know, drag you down. Like that just means you gotta work harder, you know? But yeah, that's my message to the to all the artist artists who are trying to make it.
2: I appreciate that and heavy
0: them- Trying to no, no, yeah, no now, you, now you got now you got to send nah. a message to the producers bro i'm not gonna send a message to the producers because y'all not going to listen anyways but i'll say <laughs> i'll say i've got uh, for the people that do want to listen or think i have some value to add possibly to their lives or careers uh, i'm starting a youtube channel this year interval shooting a lot of content for me we've already got the first video edited we're just trying to get the oh. thumbnail made right now the video is going to be, uh, in my opinion, the best ways to go about making money as a producer in 2023. Hopefully, I'm going to have some more tips like that and cook up videos and whatnot professionally edited and shot by them. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, it'll be some good content this year that if you think you can learn some value from me, um, you'll be able to go there. And I'll, uh, my, my socials, I'm sure Pinnacle's going to like put them up or something. But yeah, at Nick Nash Music and on Twitter, it's at Nick Nash Music underscore. So, whenever I launch that YouTube channel, you'll be able to find it through those sources
2: absolutely and i I do want to say um a i'm excited for that content bro being shot by interval that like producer content and being that type of quality and from you bro that people need to go check that out when it comes out Um, i'll send you a private link to it by the way um, please please do i would love that um and the the consistency message is huge uh i really i preach that a lot all the time and like that's something that i really stand by so I appreciate that an actual artist is saying it because when it comes to me, it's, you know, it's a producer. I get it. But like they need to hear it from somebody that's actually been through that as an artist, done it and seen the results. So I really do appreciate that. Um, If you want to talk about your uh, your, you know, latest single, um, if you want to talk about any upcoming stuff and plug yourself, you go ahead right now.
1: Well, I'm planning on releasing a single within the next month or so i'm still planning that out uh figuring out what i'm gonna do for the marketing or whatever uh we have and and this single is from the upcoming album um so yeah and with the album comes a documentary so everybody should be very fucking excited for that because this documentary Mm -hmm. is going to uh show you all the sides of us beautiful um, but yeah, follow me on the gram, <laughs> kod.oku, and subscribe to my YouTube. I don't have any music videos up, but I definitely will have a good amount of music videos for this album. Uh, so yeah, awesome! Thank you
2: very much, guys. I appreciate this. Heavy.
0: Hell yeah, bro. No words. Hell yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having you. us on.